again, I'm going to take two because I fucked up the first one. Uh, <laughs> this is our unnamed uh, show right now. I'm sitting here with, what did I say last time? The guy that put the Titans into Vex for Titans. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Davey yes, Dave. <laughs> we might sound a bit peeved off now because it's the second time recording this because, okay, I, I messed up, okay? It was me. It was me. Um... But yeah, we're, tr- we're trying to come up with a name for this podcast. If you're, well, you are just joining in. So, come on, give me a name, man. Ooh. It's a hard one, man. What about uh, like Scandinavian Showdown or like. <laughs> Scandinavian Showdown. <laughs> uh, the Viking Invasion. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Ooh, that's a hard one, man. For now, we just call it the chat. Yeah, with the chat. Yeah. The chat. Yeah. Framer made the chat. Okay. We'll, we'll think. We'll think of something good. We'll think of something really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah, I'm I'm sitting here with Davy Dave from the Four Ounce Gloves podcast. Uh. If you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. It's on Spotify, iTunes, and everything everywhere. else. Uh. It's a great. Not YouTube yet, but uh, everywhere else. Pretty yeah. Much. <laughs> it's... It's a great uh, chat about MMA, kind of like this, but in Swedish, I guess. And sometimes you got guests on the net, and yeah, everyone should definitely listen to it. Uh, except for if you only understand English, then don't complain yeah, well, to me. You, you can listen to it, you know. You can you can give us some uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you want. <laughs> Put it on in the background while you're cleaning or something. Exactly. <laughs> can right. listen to the sound of my voice. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were we were chatting a bit about. Fight Club Rush, uh, saying that it's going to be an amazing f- uh, event. I'm going to be there. You are a bit on the edge, but you feel like you're going to be there? Uh, I think I'll be there. Uh, good, good. So uh, anyone that knows us, stop and say hi. Uh, now I'm like super worried about touching anything. <laughs> uh, and yeah, then, don't yeah. touch yourself, mate. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not touching. But... Whoa, calm down there. Pause. Pause a bit. Uh, so yeah, um, gotta be a super fucking event. Then we got after that we got like Superior Challenge. I think is coming up after that. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the dates are. And uh, then but we, what we, we got, got, we got zone we had starting up. Zone coming up. We had Fight Club Rush, Superior Challenge, and Wolf Fight Promotion. Yeah, Wolf Fight Promotion is side. Well, I think they released like VIP tickets now. Yeah. And a heavyweight title fight. Yes. Did you see that? Dude, the heavyweight. Oof, you know, when I saw that they released that there was going to be a heavyweight title fight, I was hoping that a certain fight was going to be um, in that matchup. Well, okay, what um, were you hoping for? Come on, spill the beans, man. Fun. <laughs> what was you looking for there? I was hoping that my main man, Kevin Mounier, was going to be uh, in the title fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was so I was a happy boy when I saw the uh, front kick uh, release that news. Mm-hmm. So it'll be sick. It'll be sick to see Kevin. Uh, last time I saw Kevin, it was when we we're in uh, we we're in Malmo and we were uh, recording our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was good to it was good to see him and uh, and hear his thoughts on his his training and uh, and his future. And uh, it looks like things are going in the right direction. He's, he seems to be a very down-to-earth guy, man. What what was the vibe you got of him as well? He's he's super chill, man. Yeah. He's super chill. Um, he's, a, he's a bit of a genetic freak. Like, <laughs> I can see that. Dude, he's, he's huge. Um, like, literally, his his arms are, like, the size of my torso. Um, yeah. And I, when, at first, when I first started um, training MMA, um, I, I was just like, it was before I like probably got into MMA, but I went to, to Titans for a few months. Um, and so I got to roll with Kevin a few times and literally like, I swear he's the strongest person I have ever rolled with. He's mm-hmm. like that. He's that bad man. Where, where's he training? Oh, he's, he's training in, in Mount right? Yeah. Red line, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't hear a lot of fighters coming out of there anymore. Like, are they are they putting more focus on the guys that they have or like what is it? Because I know Sebastian Gonzalez is also fighting from there, right? Yeah, 
Um, so the, the the thing is, my, my um, understanding of Redline is they they have like quite a few fighters at the moment. The thing is, it it seems like they have a really really good um, like pro um, advanced group mm-hmm. over there, yeah, yeah, where yeah. they've got a lot of people that are fighting amateur, um, and they have a lot of people that you know are, are verging on on taking the step to pro. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you've got Kevin, you've got Sebastian, you've got um, um, a few pros there. You've got uh, Jonas, Jonas Shock, uh, Mordgord, Mordgord. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, he was he was at the first Wolf Fight promotion. I'm I'm being kind of sat down here. I thought I was like the MMA analyst and everything, but uh, damn, you, you've got a head on you too, man. <laughs> you're, you're coming for my job and that. Uh, they've got Habal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a pro fighter there as well. So uh, yeah, they've got they've got quite a good, good they've or they've got a very good um base with really good advanced fighters so i think you know and i, I remember we were at, um i think it was last time you won four um and literally they had like a bunch of guys from redline because um, we were at kaisho battle and um, mm-hmm. so they had a bunch of guys from redline um amateurs and then there'd been a couple of um other amateur um like meetups and that kind of thing, you know, the regional scene. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's been a lot of fighters out there, and I, I get the feeling that they're quite um, com- competition-oriented, so they, they go to a lot of competitions, they compete a lot, mm-hmm. and they get really good results. Like, you know, they'll the majority of their fighters will win the fights, like a big majority. You know, they'll be like maybe two out of ten won't get the win. Okay. Uh, so they're uh, they're dangerous, you know. The other gyms need to look out. Redline, are, they're on fire. They've got some good coaches there as well. So um, yeah, definitely quality. You kind of saying that it's kind of reminded me of a of a thought I had in my head a couple of days back about like from the outside world, like looking at Sweden, it's kind of like people are probably thinking that there is only one MMA gym in Sweden. I mean let's say you know the ufc what okay there, there's panny of course yes but uh a lot of fighters are just coming from all-stars and are just coming from stockholm kind of thing yeah I, i'm waiting for the day that that really spreads out and then they they start bringing in the fighters from from Vesteros, from Javle, from malmö uh from redline you know that's that's going to be a good day man where we show that we're not just we're not just all stars, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. But I think, like, to be honest, I think that day's coming. I think you've really seen a a shift um, in recent years of the quality of MMA as in general, but especially the quality of MMA in Sweden, because I think MMA is like it's been growing really, really quickly. It's and super I think quick. this is my personal theory, right? Is that in Sweden, you have a lot of people, or it, you know, in Sweden, it's it's very normal to have, um, you know, kids that grow up in, in football teams, hockey teams, you know, doing athletics that end up being like quite athletic, but they they just like miss out on you know being like elite, mm-hmm. you know, so they might not make it. So they might go to like um, certain academies, like hockey academy, football academy. Um, and all these kind of things and then they might like just miss out so once they once they go into the adult levels you know once they're going to go pro in their chosen sport and then i think you see a lot of the people now you know they make that switch at about like 17 18 when they're like okay maybe i'm not going to reach the goals i planned on mm-hmm. um and then since mma has been getting popular at the same time then they channel that energy into mma so we're getting some like really really good athletic um fighters that are really good at learning um and i think you see that a lot of the gyms in sweden have like there's a certain like the generation at the moment that's coming through yeah um a lot of the gyms are getting are starting to have like quality um fighters at their gyms which leads to quality training quality sparring mm-hmm. and you know sooner sooner rather than later to be honest i think that 
you'll start seeing all these gyms you know they'll be they'll start having people, more people going to cage warriors and yeah. they'll have people going to bella or they'll have people going to the ufc so like you say you know it won't all be all stars you know mm-hmm. you'll have you'll be having swedish fighters from from all over the country um and i think you know there could probably be a swedish invasion pretty soon you know with with um a lot of, in the next couple of years i'll probably say next five years you'll probably start to be seeing a lot of um fighters at a, a much higher level yeah no and I'm, i mean like as well it's like we um we I, i'm really enjoying the stuff that the all not all stars but front kick are doing about the new wolf pack with the young fighters coming out of all stars yeah and i really feel like uh a lot of other gyms should be should be doing that kind of showing off their their new talents and everything yeah um yeah i mean that that, that should be a really cool thing uh, are you going? Do you know if you're going to be, or you're planning to go to any other events that's coming up in the year? Um, uh, me and Yorn we were talking about going to um, to Wolf fight mm-hmm. promotion. It's pretty close, you know. Homestead's like two, maybe about two hours, hour and a half from us. Yeah, yeah. So it's not very far. So um, that'd be that'd be nice to go to. Um, so we'll we'll see. Hopefully, we get there. Like. The best situation would be to be able to go to all of them. Yeah, uh, but you know we'll see time, time and uh, and see what would work out. But it would be cool, you know, especially the fact that it's every, that Swedish MMA has been growing so much, um, and to finally, you know, you've got it's like a bit of abstinence from from getting to see it live as well. Um, yeah, and I, I think all of these events are selling tickets, so yeah, that that's a great opportunity. I know Fight Club Rush is selling theirs on Ticketmaster. Probably find the information from them and uh Wolf also started selling tickets to theirs. Uh Superior Challenge has started to release a few names of who's gonna be fighting. Uh, I kind of like to call them the the Superior Challenge All-Stars because <laughs> you know it, it, you see them there often, should I say they are the veterans of Superior Challenge. Yeah. Um so that's that's gonna be a, quite a cool thing. Um and then uh, like I said before someone corrupted the other file i should say uh <laughs> we, we on the same day as fight club rush we have this uh aka london ufc london show which is happening from the us but on our time uh that's gonna be amazing i thought there was actually swedish stars that was supposed to be on it but they're fighting later is do you have any call on that um i'm not sure i'd only seen all the all the uk guys um and gals. I heard the news that um, Gustavs is going back to uh, light heavyweight. Yeah, did is not, he did on not that get part? a fight. I've seen that he was. I seen that his fight was booked, but I, I didn't catch the dates. We're checking. We're checking, guys. We're checking. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't completely released. Mm, doesn't seem like it. Front kick will probably put under our comments like <laughs> uh, I know Hamzat wow. is looking to get back in the cage soon uh, Panny is against Raquel Pennington soon yeah that's going to be a good fight that it's is going to be a really good fight I'm I've been looking forward that to that fight, fight. Well. yeah since I heard her talking about it I was looking forward to that fight that's September 18th uh, Panny and uh, Raquel Pennington yeah that's going to be such a striking masterclass there yeah that's definitely going to be a fight to watch and panny's been on fire like literally lately she's been on fire man doing all the right things making all the right moves mm-hmm. so who do you think hamsat's next opponent should be would it be no magni like everyone's kind of pushing towards or, or what do you think i don't know you know it's hard like honestly it's hard because you don't want to like throw him to the wolves and just like push him too quick not that i don't think he can handle it because uh, you know obviously we've got to see a lot of him um neil magni for me i think he's too high risk and low reward not that neil magni is not like a legit fighter he's good he's high ranked um He's been in the game for a long time. He's definitely a respected fighter. Um, mm. And I know a lot of people duck him. But I think a lot of people duck him because I don't think he has the, um, shall I say... No eyes his, on him. Yeah, not star power, but he doesn't really have the eyes on him. You know, mm. nobody... It, it's 
it sounds awful to say, but nobody, uh, at least from this part of the world, like will stay up to watch Neil Magny fight. Yeah. You know, he's he's not that he's not that enough of a star yet um, to be able to to be able to bring that kind of crowd. And I don't know if because him being so good, but being so. Um, but not having that kind of soft power, I don't know if that's the best fight for Kamsan because I would say there's probably easier matchups, not that he needs it, but mm-hmm. with bigger names um, that could propel him quicker um, to a title fight. Then again, the question is, do you want to be getting thrown into a title fight really quickly or do you want to you know, move through the ranks a bit slower, make as much money as possible? Um Especially at the rate that you know Hamza was dealing with opponents, if he can, if he you know slows down his uh, traje- trajectory a bit through the ranks and just gets as many fights in, and he can, st- you know, maybe maybe you know two fights in a week is a bit of a, a push, you know, <laughs> like he was doing at Fight Island. But um, you know, if he can be really active and he can be fighting every other month, every three months, and just like tearing through the the division. Like Kevin Holland pays kind of thing, like exactly, exactly. Yeah. That is going to be able to make him. It's going to maximize his story. It's going to maximize his star power, and it's definitely going to, you know, widen his wallet. Man, he's going to have a lot more money than you know just pushing through the division. Because I guess he's got a contract for a certain amount of fights, and we know that with the UFC, it's not the easiest thing to um, to uh, renegotiate your contract. I'm sure. Hamza would probably be able to do it, you know, with the start power that he'll be pushing if he gets through a couple more opponents and he does it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the, at the same time, you know, if you can be fighting a lot and you're not doing much damage and you can rack up a, a, a long record, um, why not? Yeah, true. I mean, like you're saying, he he doesn't need to fight, go in and fight, you know, number one contenders and that just yet he doesn't actually need to do that i mean he's he's new in the ufc he's had three fights uh most of them were unranked opponents do you know what i mean yeah so him going in there and be like just give me a fight with with you know the top you know 15 to 10 that'll put him on a good trajectory like uh you know a good projection to the to the title because i'm always scared of pushing fighters a bit too fast and I feel like this m- might be one of the cases of why he took such a long time off. I know he was dealing with health issues and that, but I'm guessing he needed to be completely 100% because he knew that he was going to fight someone super good the next time around. That's the thing. I mean, you know, so at, at a certain point through the rankings, you get to fighters that are... Honestly, I believe that apart from a, a, a few certain fighters, when you get to like the top ten, especially the top five, any fighter could it could be any other fighter in the top five, top ten on any mm-hmm. given day. It just depends who's in the best shape, who's not bringing or who's bringing the least amount of injuries into a fight. Um, but you know how they're feeling, to be honest. Um, yeah. So it, it does start to get murky, and it starts to get hard you know it's it's harder to finish guys really quickly once mm-hmm. you start getting higher through the rankings so you know it, it could be um it could be positive not to run right through the rankings but you know you maybe you move up two spots every time you fight but you know you're getting them out of there quick or you having dominant performances um increases his star power makes him more money and uh, gives him a longer career yeah definitely definitely and he's he's the new the new, I would say, gate gatekeeper, but like he's the gate opener to a lot of Scandinavian fighters now. He definitely. he's kind of taken I mean, the torch from Gustafsson on doing that. Yeah, definitely. I think the that's one of these things that it, it's kind of a shame that we that um, maybe that maybe that comes out appear now and maybe not in like five years when we've got a lot of other Swedish fighters that are like ready to to mm-hmm. make the jump. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple that are getting close, but you know they they need a bit more experience probably. Um, you know, before they they end up in that in deep water. You know, um, with the UFC fighters. Um, 
but it, you know, you could you could have like with a guy like Hamza, you could definitely have like a kind of Connor effect for the fighters. You know, mm-hmm. before Connor, you didn't really have that many Irish fighters, and then suddenly, boom, they're still you know, not. Connor arrives. They're still not um, in the UFC if you think about it. Pardon? I mean, the, the UFC was thinking about doing a show in Ireland, and they were saying they was going to make a huge spectacle out of Irish MMA. Yeah, but I think at that point there was two fighters in the UFC that were Irish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a that's a bit of a crazy one. Yeah, no, definitely. But sorry, I did I didn't mean to kind of weird no, you for no, out there. No, no problem. And um, but the the good thing about Sweden as well is that you you know we've got a few good Danish fighters as well, and Sweden mm-hmm. is so close to Denmark, and it's pretty easy to travel between. So the the UFC could potentially just have like a big Swedish Danish card. Yeah, as well. Definitely. Uh, here was a bit of talking point in the week. Um, did you see Thomas Narmo's fight in one championship? Uh, yeah, I saw that. That what, was. What, um... what is your thoughts on that one? <laughs> or, or should I start? Should I start on that one? Y- you start, and All then right. I'll, I'll go from there. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'd like to say that I I I know Thomas Narmo well as well as someone could know someone all over the internet, I guess. Mm. Uh, never met 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 the dude, but you know he's quite open with his with his uh, life and you know martial arts career. He seems like a proper good dude. Um, to take that fight in one against that beast, first of all, you need balls of fucking steel. No mm-hmm. pun intended there for for how it ended, <laughs> but you need you need balls balls of steel. Um, I felt like when going into that fight, looking at the highlights of that fight, there was a lot of um, charging and running, definitely. Yeah. Especially from someone who is such a striking specialist against someone that has been doing this for what? I think it's like four years, maybe? Yeah. An ex-hockey player has been doing it for four years. I felt that quite, quite shocking. So the first round was quite interesting. There was a lot of groin shots yeah um which i uh, the, the way that the commentators were kind of saying it yes i could see how that could happen namo is a very long guy he's two meters tall he's a proper viking heavyweight kind of thing and yeah. uh and is his name angali and uh, I have no idea how you pronounce his name. I, I hear it every single time he fights you know I, I tend to tune into his fights when when i see that they're coming up yeah um but I, I always forget how to pronounce his name. Okay, it's, 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 I, I, I think basically you, you drop the N on it. Okay, Gali. Just Gali. I will get it up because I, I don't want to get I don't want him after me if I get it wrong. <laughs> I think it's Galani. Galani. Okay. Yeah, I think it's Galani. I think they just when, or at least the the announcers when they when they pronounce the name, I think they just drop the N on it. It's like a silent N. Okay. Okay. So uh, Ganali, uh, Galani. So. Yeah, he's his stature and his stance kind of you could see how the groin strikes kept on happening. Yeah. Um I didn't really un- I'm not really up to date with their yellow and red card system in one championship. Um they said that uh Naramo's fight purse has got to be like pulled down because of the yellow card and things. Yeah, I if don't... you get a yellow card there then they um they they reduce your purse. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure that's true. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that the end of the fight, which came from uh, Naimo's opponent going for leg kicks and then kicking him right below the cup, uh, he looked in agony. You heard a huge man scream like that. You know something's wrong. <laughs> um, so I feel like a lot of, a lot of the... Norwegian MMA forum guys kind of laughed it off and said, you know, oh, this is our guy, apparently. Haha, <laughs> what a fool kind of thing. But I feel like you can't really you can't really take anything away from that fight apart from he was in there to fight. Yeah. And the accidents happened and that's how it finished. Uh so that's my take on it. What's what's yours? I mean, like, 100%, you definitely have to respect the guy, especially having, like, uh, quite a short, uh, or a very short UFC, uh, sorry, very short MMA um, career um, to be stepping in in, um, 
in the cage with a guy like Galani, you know, he's very mm-hmm. experienced. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a bit older, but at the same time, I, I don't think I've ever seen a 43, 45-year-old or whatever he is um, <laughs> in that good shape. I mean, the dude's huge. I did yeah. think he looked a bit smaller, like a bit more trim. That's my that's my does. goals. That's my goals for when I become forty three, man. Dude, me too, man. You <laughs> know, I'm just like, I'm thinking, you know, I, I won't go for beach body twenty twenty two. I'll go for like beach body twenty forty, yeah, and yeah. then you know, I'll, then I'll be in, then I'll be in that shape. <laughs> that's my excuse too, I guess. <laughs> but um, no, the thing is, he's not like, he's not your typical, um like built MMA fighter like some you you know you do get these MMA fighters that look more like bodybuilders than MMA fighters mm-hmm. and he's definitely one of them um but he doesn't move like that you know he's super flexible if you've watched it if you've looked at his Instagram and stuff like that he is one of the most flexible people you can oh, yeah. you can find probably on the internet for being yeah. that size or close to that size um and he's, he's definitely got movement and that kind of thing for his size like I said experience so um to be able to get in the cage with him after after four years or whatever it is of MMA, you know, mad respect. Um, the groin strikes, there were a lot of them. Um, I think that is probably, you know, probably if, if he'd had more experience, not that it's that he's inexperienced that makes him, like, keep kicking him uh, between the legs, but it's just like, you know, high-pressure situations, it's easy to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um and, the, the, you know, I mean, Galani, he kicked him in the groin back as well. So, you know, I mean, that it, it happens. And especially with the size difference, you know, being that tall, things happen. Yeah. Um, but but it was it was a groin shot that ended the fight, right? Because yeah. to me, it looked like, you know, that was a bit of an auto check, you know. I, I think it was uh, probably the space uh, that a lot of people will call the gooch kind of thing. <laughs> The uh the area between between the anus and the scrotum maybe, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I I definitely think it's somewhere that the cup is definitely not protecting. Yeah. No. No. One hundred percent. That's painful, man. Definitely. But he shot up straight and got another fight. Uh, yeah, that was crazy, man. Yeah. That was. Um... It's insane, especially to get, you know, like, literally, what was it? He'd, he'd literally have the fight, and then he already had another fight, but they must have had conversations as soon as he got out of the cage. Yeah, I I, I'm, I hope I'm not treading on any toes here, but from what I've heard, the, the I think it was either the day before or the day of the fight they asked him about it, and he signed it there and then. Okay. And wow. he just kind of said, I'm going to go against this, uh, you know, multiple time champion striker and i'm gonna strike with him why not take a multiple time grappling champion and grapple with him too yeah <laughs> i mean that's definitely a way to get your name around right 100 percent. i mean the, the you know fighting gavani is going to get your name out especially in that part of the world one mm-hmm. huge you know i don't think people really like realize the magnitude of one in this part of the world, but in on that side of the world, it, it's huge. So, you know, just there, he's gonna he's gonna gain a lot of fans, um, and and then you know, fighting a, a world champion um, jujitsu competitor that people that is very well known, people know who they are. You yeah. know, you'll be getting all the jujitsu folk will have their eyes on you, and then you'll still have like all the one people, and then you'll still definitely be getting um, a lot of recognition from this side of the world as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so good luck with that. Yeah. Um, just before we jump into the 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 supporters Q and A, are you a big fan of karate combat? Um. Yeah. I guess I am. I, I would say that it's um, it's a very interesting concept. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to see how it um, develops. Mm-hmm. I do like the um, I like the vibe of karate combat. You know, people are really close. There's, it must be good to watch because there's no like cage in front of your eyes or anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole concept of just like throwing them in a pit is kind of um, is kind of cool. Um, I like the I like the way they've marketed it. Um, uh, yeah. Did, did you like the um, Samuel Erickson against uh, Alberto Ramirez fight? Did you see it? 
Yeah, oh, I didn't see the whole thing. Um, I saw parts of it. Oh, the highlights um, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good fight. Um, I thought that um, he got a lot of, like, on, um, what's it called? Um, where he got, like, a lot of shit for the mm-hmm. fight yeah. and the, the outcome of the fight. Um, I thought that was very undeserved. You know, I thought he had he had a really good fight. Um, yeah. And, you know, according to rules, he won the fight. So I don't really get what people are, are moaning about, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like this is the kind of guy that he gets a lot of haters on the daily. You know, mm-hmm. he's a he's an influencer and that kind of thing just happens, especially if you're going to also be in the MMA world. Yeah. You know, to be taking so many pictures of yourself because it's part of a like contractual agreement. But in the yeah. MMA world, you kind of look like a bit of a dick. But the, I guess the, it's, it was the MMA guys that were watching a lot of it and the MMA guys that didn't understand the rule set of karate combat. Yeah, and I think uh, one one thing that really like that makes it even worse is just like the fact that I think MMA fans in general are pretty toxic. Yeah, um, a lot of the time you know, they tune in to what you lose rather than what you win. Yeah, I mean, literally, it, you could do everything right, and you could. Um, <laughs> I mean, for example, look at a guy like Khabib. He's never lost a, a fight um, in his professional MMA career, mm-hmm. and people still have shit to talk. And they'd be like, "Well, this guy would beat him. This guy would beat him." Yeah, uh, you know, he's had the perfect MMA career. I don't think you can have a more perfect MMA career, um, and he still gets shit. And then, so you can imagine what it's like, um, especially when you're an influencer and you've got a lot of eyes on you. And if for some unknown reason, people have like some kind of agitation, I think, towards um, influencers, probably because yeah. they're unhappy with their own lives. But, um, you know, and, and especially being in that space where you're an active uh, athlete as well. So, you know, I think, I think he didn't deserve any of the shit that he got. You know, he, he had a good fight. He came out there to perform. I mean, you know, that's what we want to see. Yeah, definitely. So, uh Samuel Eriksson, keep doing your thing, man. I know you yeah, you got no. a tough skin and that. Keep doing your thing. It's yeah, gonna, look at the people that's already talking about him. So, Yeah, I mean, what was it? It was George, George St. Pierre was um, talking yeah. about him. Yeah, he was um, doing like a highlight package from Karate Combat. I'm yeah. not, I, the thing that you like about Karate Combat, I think I don't like. It felt really... I don't want to say fake because it's not fake. It's not like pro wrestling or anything, but it felt very... Commercial? Drawn on. Yeah, commercial. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, no, you see that? I kind of like it because to me, like, I find that very, like, pleasing to the eye when it's very, it's commercial. You know, they've got, um, it's been well thought out, you know, the whole, like, the branding of the whole thing. Um, I I do appreciate that. And then I get that there's other people that just want it to be, like, proper raw. Yeah. Um, no, but definitely. Yeah. So, so we'll jump into the uh, the Q and A here. I've got some very interesting questions from uh, a lot of our supporters. I hate saying followers, so supporters is a is a good one. <laughs> um, so we we'll start with the with the first one, and this is from uh, Alex Clarkson MMA. Uh, writing a lot for Kamara, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, great guy. He's saying, why is Conor McGregor not funny anymore? Because um, he's losing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I say? I think it is. I've had a, a lot of thoughts about, you know, Conor and, you know, the uphill struggle and everyone was with him and everything. Mm. Um, I feel like before, when he was on the dole and like, you know, claiming benefits and going up in the MMA world, people saw a lot of themselves in him. Yeah. And now nobody, he, he's living that, you know, bougie lifestyle and like showing off his yachts and everything. No one can, can see themselves in him. No one can relate. Yeah. So then what, especially, I guess, I guess a Swedish thing is what is new to you, you dislike at the start. Yeah. Um, but I guess everyone kind of has a thing of like, I'm not like that. That's way out of my league. So I'm not I'm not fucking with it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I can see that as well, but it's also especially with like the, the question being why isn't he funny? I think he you know, he was a lot more funny before. You know, he was he was more like 
I think witty is the right word. Mm -hmm. You know, he was quick. Um, his responses were funny. He was also more likable, especially on the on the rise up. Yeah. Um, no, but definitely, I think he was just he was more on the ball. You know, he was. Yeah, yeah. It was like you know the whole um, with Jeremy Stevens. It's like who the fuck is that guy? You yeah, know, it was yeah, just, definitely. It was so authentic, and then suddenly it was like after the Khabib fight. He was trying so hard. I think, like, for me, the big turning point, just, like, if you go off of press conferences, like, mm -hmm. how, you know, before it was, like, proper insane seeing him at a press conference. But when he had the whole Khabib press, Khabib press conference and then they had removed all the fans and everything and he was a drunk or high or whatever he was, <laughs> um, he was literally, he was trying so hard to be you know, funny, but he wasn't getting any feedback or anything. Yeah. And then it's like, since then, every single other press conference, Connor has been trying to be the old Connor, but he's not being himself. It was him being himself that was the thing that was working. You know, it was not him trying to be him like three fights ago and trying to make similar jokes and that kind of thing. Um, and I think also with him being so successful, you know, he'd had so many knockouts, he was running through the division, he, you know, he was winning belts. You can be a lot more savage in your comebacks and you don't really have to think about what you're saying because mm -hmm. whenever anyone says anything to you, you'll be like, well, this is my record. I, yeah. you know, I've got one loss when it was like in the beginning of my career. Oh, by the way, I'm the double champ. Oh, by yeah. the way, I've made more money than you'll ever make in your whole life. And then now, suddenly, he's you know he's lost a couple fights. Um, he's been knocked out a few times now. You know when he goes to a press conference, when he goes to his next press conference, he knows that whatever he says, the next guy can be like, "Oh, well, Dustin put you to sleep." Yeah, yeah. And that kind of makes it, like, it, careful when you stand up. Your legs look a bit shaky because they like <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. So it it makes you a much easier target as well. Um, so you have to, re I think it, you have to put a lot more thought into what you say because, you know, now you can get comebacks because people have seen you vulnerable, because people have seen you lose, because people have seen you get angry and, uh, you know, and kind of lose your temper with Khabib and, and that kind of thing. People can really like, they can push your buttons. They can say things about, you, you know, before mm -hmm. anything anyone said about him, it was just speculation. Oh, you would lose to this guy. Oh, you'd lose to me. Yeah, yeah. But no one would lose to him because he hadn't lost. But now it's like, well, now now we've seen that he is, you know, he's not immortal anymore. Hmm. And, and it's the kind of thing I've, I have a theory of like, and young MMA fighters can, can kind of think about this as well. It's like, you can't be a part-time MMA fighter in this kind of, in the UFC, in the big time. No. You know, and that's what Connor is now. He's a businessman. Yeah. He owns stuff. He's out doing movies. He's half in boxing and his whiskey yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like he wasn't there. Like he's not there to do his thing. No, he's not thinking about it all the time. I guess before when he was going into press conferences, he had time to plan what he's going to say. Oh, I got this for him. It's quite witty kind of thing. Yeah. I think he has time for that now. No, no. Yeah, kind of like that. I also got another Connor question here. From uh, MMA.streams2, wink, wink, good guy. Um, he says, why do you think Connor is deleting his tweets? And do you think that he's tweeting them when he's drunk or high and realizing that he fucked up and deleting them later when he's sober? My thought on this is that he's not the only one with access to his social accounts. And he's tweeting something that might be a bit off the cuff and a bit more him and then his like PR guy is going on and deleting it after mm -hmm. um, to be honest I think that I think that's Connor I think it's honestly I think it's I don't know if he's I guess it's easy to blame him being drunk or high but at the same time um I don't know, like a lot of the things we've seen from him in in recent times, recent years, I think it's just a lot of him. He's, you know, he's gone, he's tweeted it, and then he'll leave it out there and be like, ah, fuck, maybe I should delete it. Um, but at the same time, I don't know why he deletes it, because he knows that people are going to see it. 
And I don't know whether that's a, a ploy to get more people to, you know, if Connor tweets something, people are like, oh shit, that was a crazy tweet. But at the same time, Connor tweets something and deletes it, then suddenly you've got to go and Google it. You've got to go and yeah, look it up. Yeah, you've got yeah. to go and try and find the tweet. And then you'll see like somewhere else, it'll be posted on a news site or, be, or somebody will have posted a retweet of, or they'll post a screenshot of Connor's tweets. And then people will be going ham in the comments because he's deleted it. So everyone has actually like actively gone and looked at it, which I guess to some point increases engagement. So that's the best um, way to get people to see your tweets if you tweet it and delete it. Yeah, <laughs> and it gets people digging. Okay, that's exactly. that's a good theory. Yeah, yeah. I, I was that's thinking what... like cancel culture and that you know he can, if someone goes to him and says, "Oh, but you said that," he can say, "No, it wasn't me. I was hacked and I deleted it." Kind of thing. Mm, I I just don't think people. I think like uh, uh, the first time he he could have you know said that, but you know this is like the third time he had the DC tweet, he had the Khabib tweet. There was something else before. There was the Dustin tweets, the mm-hmm. the tweets about Dustin, and he was like tweeting photos of Dustin's daughter and things. Yeah, yeah, and said like Gonzo. Yeah, it was, I was a bit like, mm. yeah, it was it was shady. And I think the thing is, he's. I I don't really get why he's doing it. Like he might be doing it for the attention. But just like a lot of the shit that he's been posting has been so like distasteful yeah. that I don't think he's doing himself any favors because you do have the diehards, which I think are actually like more new casuals than diehard Connor fans. Uh, to be honest, because I think a lot of the diehard Connor fans oh, they are can be crazy. They can insane. be crazy. It's insane. I saw this one person that tweeted. I can't remember exactly what it what it was, but it was something about Connor. It, I think it was that it when Connor tweeted about um, wanting to fight Usman. Mm-hmm. And no joke, like, I checked through this guy's tweets just to make sure he wasn't a troll. But he said some crazy shit, like, um, Connor should definitely take um, the Usman fight. He would smash him. Usman would gas after two rounds. Um, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it was like, you know, like, dude, like, what are you on, man? Like, Everyone knows Connor has a... Everyone knows Connor has a gas problem. That's why know, he's right? even created his own thing to not do that. Exactly. Literally, they're like so blind. It is unbelievable. All right. We'll we'll go on to the next one before we go too deep on, on Connor. That's <laughs> like an hour long chat anyway. Uh, the Great Chef Smells Podden has put a couple of questions in here. Um, they put, which match are you looking most forward to at Fight Club Rush 9? Ooh, um, that is a good question. Just let me have a quick look at the card. Um, I'm very excited for uh, Alexander Love. Yeah. Um, against Amir Malikpour, that's going to be a really, really good fight. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited to see Elas um against Basi Yeah. Um. I think those are the the two ones that I'm I'm most excited to watch. Uh, it'll be it'll be good to see Johnny Tuma. Tuma. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a good fight last time. Uh, very exciting fighter. So that'll be it'll be cool to see. You know, especially with like the the big break a lot of fighters have had. Mm-hmm. It'll be especially the the fighters that you've seen before, like or at least from the last event, they haven't really been able to compete that much. So it'll be exciting to see the development that they've done you know how has their game evolved yeah um, so i'd say those are the probably the, the top three fights that I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah they're hungry. It's, they're hungry it's a stacked card man it's really good the card is super stacked everyone should watch the whole thing uh i feel like not really the the fights that i think is like gonna be that i'm most looking forward to but the ones that i have i say the most of myself in them mm. uh that would be Johnny Tuma versus uh, Nasrat Dinov. That fight is going to be crazy. Mm. Uh, Johnny Tuma has been looking incredible, and Nasrat Dinov has also been just coming out with a style that I don't think Swedish MMA has really seen. No. Um, Zoran Milic versus the Silva also got to be a great card, a uh, great fight, sorry, because Zoran Milic is, comes out with that energy that's just crazy. Um, I haven't seen much of the silver, but I've heard that he's a hard fight for Zoran, so that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, 
the ladies here, Fonda versus uh, Rodriguez is going to be amazing. Uh, I feel like it's going to be very, very, very back and forth there. Yeah. Might shock a few people here as well. And uh, yeah, like you said, Lerf and Malikpour is just firefight. Yeah, um, I think I I would probably say that the Alexander Lerf fight is probably the one I'm most excited for just to see because everyone else you've been able to see a bit of really in the pros. You know, they've mm-hmm. all the rest of them have had like at least one uh, pro fight more or less or more. Um, yeah. But especially to see how his uh, you know knockout power like translates to the pro gloves and everything that's going yep. to be really interesting. And. Everyone that got that has five pass, it's it's then free. You can watch it, man. Like yeah. So tune into that. Uh, also, the great Chesos Bottom said, um, "How much do you think that an MMA fighter should earn a match?" That's deep in the politics there. That's a really that's actually a really good question. Um, I have no I, idea. I think like. Honestly, it depends. It depends on the level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the easiest, like, it is really hard to say once you start getting to, like, you know, like, the, once you get to, like, the, the like a national suite stuff. Like, if you're looking at a superior challenge or a Fight Club Rush or, you know, or the uh, or the, the galas and stuff at, at this yeah. level, it's really, really hard because I personally have no idea how much the actual organizers are bringing in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really hard to say, but if you look at, for example, if you would just take your UFC, because yeah. that's the easiest, um, I think that once you've made it to the UFC, you should be making the same kind of money that somebody in another professional league is making. Yeah. Like yeah. I get that you don't fight as often, but, and I get that it's hard because you, you're on a, a per fight basis. But if we look at, I'm very familiar with the NHL. Mm-hmm. So for me, if you're like a rookie in the UFC, if you're in your first fight, you're on your first contract, you know, finally made it to the UFC, say it's a three fight deal. The, those three fights, they should make you what a rookie in the NHL, for example, mm-hmm. makes um, in their first, you know, contract. That in the first a year, contract in the NHL is like $925,000 or something. Mm-hmm. So if you split that up, so maybe like roughly three hundred thousand dollars per fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, is what I think. You know, a, a fighter on their in their contract, mm-hmm. um, that they're, they're you know their their first contract. Once you start getting to a um, you know, like a championship level, mm-hmm. then so I think are you, you going should... with rankings here then, or pardon? Are you using the UFC's ranking system here then? To a certain point, but I think you kind of you can't you can't 100% go off the rankings because the rankings are kind of a little bit of bullshit as well. Yeah. Because yeah, if you yeah. went on the rankings completely, then a guy like Connor doesn't make at all the yeah. same money that he's making. Yeah. Which isn't fair because you've got to kind of mix it because it is entertainment as well. It's the draw. So at a certain point, like the top top guys, they should be making like a lot of money, and I understand everyone can't make Connor money, but mm. you know if you're a Kamaru or you're a Dustin or you know you're you're either like number one number two contender or you're a champ then you should be making similar money to um you know other other people that are like top you know like a top player on a top team maybe not like NBA money because that money is like ridiculous and it's it would probably you know crush the UFC but I think uh, if, I think honestly, the, the easiest comparison is NHL wages because NHL wages they're high. You know, um, the players can make a good living. They honestly wouldn't have to play that many years to be able to retire and never be able, never have to think about money. But it's not like baseball, basketball money. So yeah. say like a champion, maybe if they make somewhere between like ten and twenty million dollars a year, and we're saying they're fighting like a champion, maybe uh, the average champion probably fights like twice a year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So if they're making like, you know, 10, 10 plus million a fight at least, and if they happen to be someone with star power, you're an Izzy, you're a Connor, someone like that, then you get like a, another boost in it. Um, and then maybe you, you lower that once you get a bit lower in the ranks. So maybe once you get out of the, if you're top five to top 10, then maybe you'll get like, I don't know, three, four mil a fight. 
And then once you leave the top 10, then that, you know, gets gets substantially lower. But then yeah. maybe instead of instead of three to four mil a fight, maybe you'll be making, I don't know, like a mil a fight. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you get out of the rankings, you know, then you'll be back on this like kind of more like rookie contract yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. amount. But you'll still be making, you know, compared to what fighters are making at the moment, I think they'll that would be a big improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's an interesting kind of concept, I think. Uh, but as well, I don't know if it will work because if you're gonna have champions like Nico Montano, who like to just the company didn't like her, or Gerandame, yeah. for example, that they're not gonna buy it. They're not gonna buy it. But I think that if a company like an MMA promotion that Buys exclusivity of a of a fighter. Mm. That fighter should get a basic pay every month, no matter if they're uh, no matter if they're fighting or not. That's true. Because the, you know to get to pay for bills, like you know, if a fighter is living by himself, there's there's fighters that are living out of their car because they can't pay bills because they don't get fights. So I feel like any any promotion that buys in fighters to fight exclusively, bleh, exclusively for their promotion. To mm. give them a basic pay. A I haven't thought of that, pay. but that's actually a really good idea because the thing is, one thing that you don't think about is, honestly, I think that would make it would make the well-being of the fighters be a lot better as well. Mm-hmm. Because my understanding of, you know, like being being an MMA fighter is because you're a contractor, even if you're like, uh, exp- uh, you know, specifically for one company, mm-hmm. then. You know, you'll have a fight and then they'll dump a bunch of cash in your account. And then it's like, okay, this you've got to survive on this until your next fight. I mean, it's you know not, it's not only that, is. though, because you have to pay your trainer. You have to pay your nutritionist. You have to pay yeah. everyone in your corner. You have to pay the gym. You have to, like, you can't do that every every month if you're not working another job. No, no. But that, uh, that, That's actually a very good point. Um very hard question from the maybe then the best solution would be that you have like kind of a a a mixture of my idea and your idea so you get signed to the ufc and you have a base pay of a certain amount so that that is like you know to cover your bills and then when you have the fight then you'll have your like your big payout yeah um because I, i i can imagine that a lot of people you know especially you know a lot of fighters they come from pretty bad backgrounds and mm-hmm. and you know I, i'm sure like a lot of them aren't extremely financially literate yeah which which could probably lead to a lot of people doing stupid shit with their money especially with some fighters getting to the ufc really really early especially with an american system with their tax yeah, yeah. exactly it's it's i'm sure a lot of more fighters than you'd probably like to imagine probably have like proper money issues well we'll, we'll jump up to another question from again from chef's mass Podden. And that is, uh, I'm guessing this is to me, could be to you, don't know. But they said, uh, when are you going to commentate uh, at Fight Club Rush? Should we kidnap Carl Michael? Uh, My answer to that is don't kidnap him. Uh, Leave him be. We have recorded this now. So if it happens, it's not me. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, since you recorded it and you've talked about it, then they'll definitely be coming for you. (laughs) I'm, I'm in on it now. Shit. Uh, but I don't know. Slacko uh, has my number, and uh, I'm gonna be helping the guys out anyway, in some way or another. Uh, have you have you thought about doing any kind of commentary? No, I haven't actually. Like I, I like to talk shit, but I don't <laughs> think I um um. I think like I think um. I I honestly don't think I have the vocabulary nor the um the knowledge to be able to qualify it well okay because like i i can call it how i see it but i don't know whether that'll do that'll do as much for the viewer mm-hmm. yeah you know like i i could see myself like doing a stream of a fight you know a bit like a um like the knockout that true geordie does yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I have highlights and you like kind of speak over my mates or like sitting with you and you know, yeah, yeah. like streaming a fight and and then we would you know we'd be talking about it whilst we're watching it. Yeah. Um. But that's more like entertainment. Than yeah. It's, it's more like a 
your level of guys in the room talking about it rather than yeah. a analyst or an expert kind of talking about it. Yeah. I think that's just coming from, I was on their show and I was talking, so, or I was saying that a lot of commentators are very biased towards certain people. Yeah. And I'm hoping for a bit of a cleaner p platform from that. But uh, th there's your answer anyway. Is that something you would like to do? Would you really like to do that to, to, to do some more commentary and that kind of thing? I, f I feel like I, I've, I have been a quite a watcher of MMA for a long time now. Mm. And I have the kind of brain that dissects everything that I do. Yeah. So watching MMA, I dissected into the smaller parts. And then now I've gotten to the level where I kind of find stuff before the the commentators, the big commentators kind of see it. Yeah. So I feel like it might, it might be interesting. So uh, if anyone, any promotion out there, I'll say it again. Give me a shout. <laughs> I'll do the, I'll do the English. I'm, there's no way I'm doing it in Swedish. Um, and then speaking of the devil or the kidnapped, uh, Carl Michael Anderson said pros and cons. Why do fighters cut more weight today than they did 10 years ago? I think it's just because of the science and they know that being bigger in there can come to your advantage. Most probably. Uh, there's a, if that's a short answer for you, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's probably definitely the science because, uh, and especially the fact that people know how much you can cut, you know, especially the science has gotten better. So people have been able to do more. And when you see someone like cut an insane amount, they're like, Hmm, you know, they look good in that fight. They were really big. It seems like an insane, insane amount to cut, but if they can do it, then I can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it kind of spreads. It does also make it more dangerous, but I would, I would agree. It's probably the science behind it that, that makes it that way. Um, and especially with it just being, you know, more competitive, that the level of fighters has gotten so much better in recent years that mm. you can't just be a, a person that can hit really hard, you can kick really well, or you have insane grappling and you can fight, you know, you can win a fight. Or a lot of the fighters now, they're all round, everyone's in really good shape. So if you can find a tiny, tiny advantage that will put you above the fight you're beating, then you'll take it. And before, I don't think you had to do, you know, I don't think it was nearly as, as, um, nearly as necessary mm. to look for those, you know, of course you wanted, you wanted a competitive edge, but I don't think it was nearly as necessary to, you know, squeeze every little millimeter of an advantage over yeah. your opponent. There's kind of a, a bit of a running joke with the MMA guys of like, when you're fighting in the amateurs, you find your perfect weight class. And then your coach, when you turn a pro into a pro, your coach wants you to go one below. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just how it is kind of thing. Uh, but uh, moving swiftly on, I got two questions here that are similar. So I'm going to say both of them or all three of them, because one is a two-parter. Slim boy Mo, Slim boy Mo Amadi, who is uh, going to be fighting a zone soon. Great fighter, great guy as well. He says, uh, this one is for all the fighters. Why do you all go after mismatches? And how dare you? Uh, I also got a anonymous, uh, I'll, I'll say a fighter, anonymous fighter that says, what do you think about all the mismatches that happen all the time in our sport? Some get shark food to look good on their records and others who have enormous martial arts experience in other martial arts like boxing, kickboxing, sambo, uh, etc. Go over to amateur or pro MMA and get an unfair advantage against the other who is just kind of beginning. Uh, I guess there's a large part into MMA politics. Again, um, do you think there is many mismatches in MMA from, I guess, a promoter side and a fighter side? I think um, depends on the on the organization. Mm -hmm. um, you do recognize in some organization that some people get easier fights than maybe other people do. You know, there is definitely favoritism. Yeah. Um, I think it all, the, the whole root of it is, you know, partly the whole like kind of like boxing thing where in boxing you kind of, you, you know, you pad your record so that you have a really good record. Yeah. I get that a lot of people, especially when you're at like a lower pro level, you know, you just made it to the pros, people can see that you've got, you know, something 
um, you know, you've got certain skills. Um, partly that, that people want to pad the records, they want it to look good, um, especially when you go into bigger organizations. It's a bit like, you know, having your CV. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring it to the organization, oh, I've beat this, 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 this person. Of course, the organization is going to look through it, but at the same time, you know, if you're 15 and 2 and you're going into a, a big organization, it's better than being, you know, I don't know, like 10 and 10 and 4. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 7 um, and 3 kind of thing. Like, exactly. I mean, even if they, even if they, of course, they look through the people that you beat, but at the same time, you can, at a certain level, you can fight really, really good fighters that just don't have a name. So yeah. when you actually get to the higher level and the people are looking up the people, there is literally no difference in the amount of information on the two fighters. Mm-hmm. So that when you were when you booked that fight, you knew that the one fighter you could fight was a lot easier, and the other was a lot harder. But at the end of the day, anyone that's seriously looking into your record, they're not really going to be able to see a difference two yeah. years down the line when it really matters. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm kind of uh, I didn't mention on, on the question they one did say they were talking about Swedish MMA, so I'll kind of use that as an example, and that is the best. Swedish matchups or Swedish fights from the last couple of years have been very competitive matchups with people with very similar records compared to ones where they, you know, the 6 and 0 versus the, you know, 10 and 8 kind of thing. Mm. So the fans love the competitive matchups where we don't know who's going to win rather than the, oh, you know, I like this guy. Yes, he's fighting like some mm. can kind of thing um but i think uh darren till has tweeted recently saying about it doesn't i don't care if i lose my next six fights it's about like being the best and being you know creating a legacy kind of thing yeah. and i think that's the thing that the fans are finding so interesting with him as well <clears throat> i mean gustafson has lost a couple of fights now connor has lost a couple of fights now you know it's gonna be like that. I don't think anyone really cares that Arden Westland lost his uh, last fight against uh, Tobias Harillo, if that was his last fight. Uh, sorry if I'm wrong there. It was more the thing of what a great fight it was. Yeah. What a great fight uh, Robin Ruse and Arden Westland was. You know, I don't think anyone's saying to Robin Ruse, like, oh, you're rubbish now, kind of thing. No. They still want to see him fight. And I think that that's what a lot of fighters need to have in their mind when they're looking at fights that might be a bit scary for them. Yeah. And I don't really know who to blame. Like you're saying it on a promoter's perspective, but is it a manager? Is it a fighter? Is it a promoter? It's a bit difficult. And it's the kind of thing of MMA politics really fucks up my mind because unless you're there on the spot, like, and making the decision, you have no idea. No. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's a really hard question, but I think all three play a role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the, at the same time, like, the Swedish scene, of course, cares about, you know, if you had a really, really good fight. The big question is, is that really, really good fight going to put you, um, you know, are, are people that, that matter to take you to the next level, are they going to see that fight? Yeah. At all, are they going to see it and be like, "Wow, that was a really good fight. We want that person," or will they see it and be like, "Well, the record's not as good as we'd like it." You know, I, I don't know what certain organisations have for have you know what kind of guidelines they have to bring fighters in, but I'm sure the record is a big part of it. And even yeah. if you fought you know people that are a lot worse than you, if your record looks good, then maybe they'll give you a deeper look. And sometimes. The most important thing is just that you get the eyes that you need uh, on you to be able to take you to the next level. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of fighters that have missed out on huge opportunities just because people haven't discovered them. Yeah. And I guess the whole thing as well is I feel like now we have the platforms like in place for getting up to a bigger level. So rather than a record kind of thing, the platforms are there to to get eyes on you so even if you do have an amazing fight but still lose the platform is there 
the eyes are still watching and they kind of recognize the, the talent that is going in there and the time and and the hard work that's going into it. So I hope that it's that way rather than looking on topology and seeing a number. Yeah. And, and one thing I, I must say is that uh, I really think that, um, or I'm really impressed by a lot of the Swedish promotions, the way that they they do, um, they support a lot of the fighters that have that have fought for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they promote them, you know, they'll put out, you know, it's not like, oh, they fought and they, they had a fight and then they'll forget about them. You know, a couple of months later, they'll post highlights from the fight or a year yeah, later, yeah. they'll post a highlight from the fight. And that definitely gives the, the fighters, gets the fighters eyes on them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely something that's positive. Yes. And I hope that I've answered all of the questions now. Uh, it's been a long one. I didn't know it was going to go over the hour mark, but we did. <laughs> uh, so anyone that's listened all the way through, thank you so much for the support. Uh, Davey Dave, we can catch you on the Four Ounce Gloves podcast. Yes, You're bringing sir. out more uh, in the coming months. There is, um, there's, I've got a, a full podcast uh, ready to go on my computer at the moment. So uh, I was, I was supposed to edit it today, but we'll see if I get to it uh, after this podcast. We'll see. Yeah, so it's a late one now. A couple of days. It's a late um, one now. So uh, yeah, man, I hope uh, we'll hear you soon. Get that edited up and chopped up all nicely. I know you're a bit of a perfectionist, so <laughs> that's why you also like, I've yes, got to get it done. No. I've got to get it done now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, everyone, go and follow 4 Ounce Glove podcast. Uh, Frame and May will be putting up stuff, hopefully weekly. Um, if you want to know why that hasn't been, then send the next question next week, hopefully, or whenever <laughs> we do this again. Uh, thank you all for the questions. Uh, Dave, thanks for your time. And Thank you time to sign off got anything to say before we sign off uh no nothing really take care and we'll uh we'll see you in the next one yeah don't let the corona get you all right <laughs> see you man bye bye